back-to-back games against the Chicago Bulls. They've played one over the weekend. We recap that one, preview the game tonight against Chicago. We'll give you all of the injury updates, and Doug finds the local angle. All today, Locked on Hornets. You are Locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, in a minute, because we live. We live. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We are free and available anywhere you get your podcast. And as always, that includes YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Today's episode being brought to you by Game Time means you can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. There's Doug Branson. He's right there. Oh, trim the stash a little bit. A little bit short this time. But people have been making the comments. People love it. And so you continue to give the people what they want. Now it's just a little tidier, a little bit tidier stash that Doug's got on the face. You can find him on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com, and you can listen to me on WFNZ every weekday from 12 to 3 p.m. Also feel, Doug, like we don't see that hat a whole lot. You have a lot to choose from. You can see the hat rack when you go solo. This one seems a little new and retro. I like it. It's not new. I've had this hat a long time. But yeah, there are some deeper cuts that sit on the shelf for a while. And so occasionally, you know, when I'm in a rush, I just pick sort of the one that I see. Uh, And then sometimes when I have a little bit more time today, I was able to kind of fish around and and get a classic out. And yeah, it's a white hat. It's got the scripty Hornets, old Hornets. um, Love the script. Yeah, old Hornets Hugo, not new Hornets Hugo. Yeah, I love this hat. It's a great hat. All right. It feels old school. When you play the Bulls, you remember the series against MJ. I think it's okay to go old school. They'll go against the Bulls again tonight in the first home game in what has been forever amount of time. It's been a long time since they've played at the Spectrum Center, but they're back tonight against Chicago. They played Chicago over the weekend, and Doug, they lost. They lost 104 to 91, and we'll see if they can make amends for that again this evening. Uh, What were some of your main takeaways? What would I find on everyhornetsboxscore.com? I think this was a typical loss for a team that has been on a long road trip and got an emotional win against Sacramento. It was not a miracle win, but it was a super emotional win. And it almost felt, because they had been out west for so long, it almost it was a false ending, right? It almost felt like the end of the road trip. And it's like, no, you have to travel one more time on the way back. You got to hit Chicago. And this team looked exhausted. Terry Rozier looked exhausted. Uh, Miles Bridges, though, didn't. He's He vowed to play better a few games ago, and I think he has lived up to that vow. Yeah. He scored 28 points on 12 of 18 shooting. Nick Smith Jr. gave you a punch of offense at the end of the game, 10 points off the bench. I think he leads the league in three-point shooting percentage, which I think over the like that would give the Hornets over the past couple of years two random players that have led yes, the league at exactly some point right. in three-point percentage because it was, it was Cody Martin a few seasons ago. Now it's Nick Smith Jr., Uh, so there you go. There's a random stat for you. But look, I mean, the Bulls were getting players back, and they got Nikola Vucevic back, they got uh, Levine back, and they played both those guys off the bench. And in the meantime, they've had players, young players, get opportunities for that team because those players were injured, and those players stepped up. And Andre Drummond continued to start. And he continues to dominate the Hornets inside, the size, the physicality. The Bulls basically said what a lot of teams with size underneath say to the Hornets, which is, we're going to double your best player, Terry Rozier, we're going to take him out of it, and then we're going to stick Andre Drummond right under the basket, 
occasionally moving out so he doesn't get the defensive three-second call. But he's basically just going to stay there stationary. You're not going to get anywhere near the rim, shoot the ball. Oh, you can't shoot the ball. That's exactly what we want. Well, and and so at the beginning, it felt like we were going to get a lot of what we called on that Friday episode heading into the Chicago game because Kobe White, we told you to take a look at his boards. He had been re- rebounding very well. Yeah, he was just good overall. Yeah. But he also had 10 rebounds to go on alongside his six assists and 22 points. Andre Drummond, surprisingly so here, Doug, only finishes with 10 rebounds for the entire game, but I believe had nine in the first eight minutes, nine minutes that he played. So Andre Drummond grabbing all those rebounds right at the beginning of the contest, but only being held to like one or maybe two, maybe zero. I'm trying to think how many he had at the beginning, but only 10 to last the game. That's surprising. And the Hornets actually out-rebounded the Bulls by one, only one. But they did out-rebound the Bulls, which is surprising. But we told you to look at Kobe. We told you to look at Andre Drummond and... Both of those things were big problems for the Charlotte Hornets in this one. And Kobe's just been very good this entire time. The other thing we need to mention here, you talk about this being an emotional win against Sacramento. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like going to visit the big ball of yarn road game. All right, hey, we'll just catch Chicago on the way back. It's, It's on the way back. We'll just go there, catch the big ball of yarn, and then come on home and we'll have this experience to share for the rest of our lives. Well, once they go visit the big ball of yarn, P.J. Washington gets hurt within the first six minutes. He's actually out out for this one so like when pj is certainly at this point clearly is still important rotation guy and then you lose him at the beginning of this one it was always going to be hard to come back from even if it was really the fourth quarter that did him in it's an it's it's incredible like it's it's <laughs> unbelievable it's not it's incredible it's, it's unbelievable yeah. i'm gonna have to go to my thesaurus and get some more words to describe what is happening here because every single time the Hornets welcome a player back like they did in this game Brandon Miller missing one game for a left hip contusion flu (laughs) or whatever whatever the Hornets landed on is the reason Brandon Miller missed a game he was back and so you're excited about that and then of course they have to lose someone to injury and that someone is PJ Washington who we thought it was an ankle issue turns out it's a foot sprain issue we'll have some injury updates coming up here in a moment but I just want to sit on this for a second because I want to come on this show and give you some deep basketball analysis. I want to watch this team and go, oh, look at that set, or oh, look at how they handle that DHO, or blah, 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 blah. All these things that other shows do on the Locked On Podcast Network for teams that have most of their team healthy a majority of the time. But the Hornets are not that team. You can't do that kind of analysis. And I feel like people asking Steve Clifford questions, they, sometimes they ask him sort of like complicated basketball questions, and he looks at them like, You've seen the injury report, right? We're missing five dudes, and every time we get somebody back, somebody goes out. How can you do any kind of deep basketball analysis on a team that just doesn't have the talent to compete? They're playing hard. That's an important thing to understand. They're playing hard, and I think generally they're playing well. Even though you only score 91 points in this game, I thought they played well, which is strange. But it's, it's, it is a recognition that you have to have talent in this league to win. There's just no other way around it. And, and, and that's, that's what this team faces right now. They're playing well, which should be encouraging because if they do get people back and, and those players stay back and you're not constantly trading guys soul for a soul, then you, you do have some kind of indication that this team could compete with good teams. This is not a terrible team. It's just a team with terrible luck.
and they have limitations. You're right. When they, when they don't have talent, it's okay. They're playing really hard and they might even be playing well within what you usually expect from that player. But who's playing well? It's JT Thor. Who's playing well? It's Nathan Mensa, who right. is giving us about everything that you would reasonably expect from somebody that has dropped into the season way earlier than anybody thought. I mean, even just this season might be earlier. <laughs> we thought he might, I might not have even played a regular season NBA game, and he's playing as well as he possibly can. He got 17 minutes here. Ish Smith, 16 minutes. Nick Smith Jr., 16 minutes. Uh, you have Cody Martin coming back from injury, playing 36. All right, no ramping up here. I mean, maybe a little bit on the West Coast road trip, but now you're playing him 36. So when Brandon Miller can't shoot very well, not in this game, and then you have all these injuries, it's just nobody can have a, a down game for you to get a win. Uh, the whole margin for error thing, it's it's non-existent. If you error, you lose, and that's what happened against Chicago, like it's happened so many other times. I got one more thing on Kobe White. You ready for this? I'm going to turn Kobe White into a comment about Scoot Henderson. Are you ready? Actually, no. I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not. But go ahead. There's no so, stopping you. So Kobe White almost turns in a triple-double in this game. 22 points on 7 of 12 shooting, 6 assists, 10 rebounds. He's playing extremely well. And at the time that Kobe White was drafted, he was drafted in the Zion draft. And I ridiculously uh, had, a, had a ridiculous take that Kobe White would be the best player out of that draft. <laughs> Ooh, did you I say said, that even about Zion? That was early on, I think. That would have been like 19. I started at 18. I don't remember you saying that. I probably said it to David. This uh, this might have okay. been like right at the back half of, of me and David's run. I this, said, is no, a text. Like, this is not a declaration over the airwaves. This is a text to David saying that. No, okay. no, no, no. This was a tape. No, there's tape of it somewhere. Okay. I don't know if it exists, okay. but I don't know if it's, if it's like exists only on my hard drives or if it's out there for the public to consume. But no, this was a take that I made on air. And it was ridiculous at the time, and it might still be a little bit ridiculous, but it's oh way God. less ridiculous than it used to be. And, I, and I'm just, because a lot of people have gotten on me and you and this show about our, you know, steadfastness in terms of wanting the Hornets to take Scoot Henderson. And yep. obviously Brandon Miller's playing well. It's not about Brandon Miller. It's about people who are clowning Scoot Henderson because of the start that he's had to his NBA career. But just understand that the story of every rookie takes a long time to write. And there are twists and turns in both the rookie that you want to analyze and the rookies that he was drafted with. And so Kobe White proving yet once again that I'm a brilliant draft analyst and that I can predict the future and that it takes a long time for these stories to play out. That's all I wanted to say. Sure. No. Plus, we already got this with Malik Monk. I totally agree. All right. Coming up next <laughs> on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll give you those injury updates. It, they're not playing with the designations anymore. No more doubtfuls. No more questionables. No I'm more telling you, someone sent an email. Someone <laughs> got an email and said, look, quit fooling around. Yeah. Everybody out. Everybody's out. That's the injury update. We tell you when guys might be coming back here in the second segment. This episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase, and you can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal before you even check out, and you can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. They're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on tickets, and Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, and even an hour after it starts. It's the place 
the place to find the last minute seats. Find exclusive flash deals, sponsored deals on tickets as well for football, basketball, baseball, but not just sporting events, concerts, comedy, theater, even more than that. With zone deals, you pick the section and game time picks the seats for big time savings. And the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the game time app, create an account, use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code L O C K E D O N, locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. More locked on Hornets coming up. All right, Doug, we mentioned it. They're not playing around anymore. Hornets injury update came out yesterday for this game tonight. LaMelo out with the right ankle injury. Gordon Hayward out with the calf injury. Mm -hmm. Frank Nilakina out with the tibia injury. Now PJ Washington, no questionable, nothing like that. He's out with the right foot sprain he suffered in this last game against Chicago. And Mark Williams continues to sit out with the lower back contusion after being doubtful for what I, for what I think the count was about like 13, 14 in a row is how many times he was listed as doubtful, but never played in any of those doubtful designations. Now the last couple of times that they've reported on his injury, he's just been out, have not given him any other designation. So that's your injury report. Ain't nobody playing, Doug. Well, it's a significant change in their strategy or, or in their designations, right? Because they did go doubtful for so long. We didn't get an update on Mark Williams that would just mean that he's like out, like, oh, we're going to reevaluate him in such, such weeks. It, it does make you wonder if Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and his army of tens of thousands of listeners around the world, who were comment every time a, a injury de- a designation would come out on these social apps from the Charlotte Hornets, you, people were just in the comments going, Mark Williams, doubtful. What's going on? Like, can you just tell me he's out or what? If this eventually <laughs> migrated its way to Secaucus or New York or wherever, whoever makes these decisions and says like, hey, Charlotte, cut it out. Just tell is he out <laughs> yeah. or is he in or out? Um, we should get Josh on, to be honest with you. Like, that'd be a great guest to hop on, help us out. If anybody, I wonder how many sickos, Hornets sickos, actually play fantasy basketball and how many of them have Hornets on their team. LaMelo's a great player for fantasy, I would imagine. But we can also get Josh Lloyd on for the uh, the injury stuff. That'd be great. Um, you have something else before we move on here? Well, yeah, but we do have some updates on the injuries, courtesy of yeah. uh, Rod Boone's latest article, which we will link uh, for the full details in the show notes. Uh, but for LaMelo Ball, he writes, after slowly increasing his individual activity over the past five weeks and focusing on conditioning, the Hornets' star point guard is in the final phase of his rehabilitation and could be back in the mix relatively soon. So, I, so Walker, I take that to mean that the ankle is healed. And at this point, we are talking about getting him just sort of fully ready to get up and down the floor for, you know, 36 minutes a night. Yeah, November 26th. November 26th is the last time that we've seen him play. So we had to wait at least one month's worth of time. And now we're hoping to get him back. What? I guess it'd be equivalent to like a six week, seven week timetable, something like that with it, be, with it being January yeah. 8th right now. So we're, we're almost there at two months, Doug. And obviously getting LaMelo back is significant for this team. But I would like to point out that the Chicago loss, I think, fully illustrates that fact. Because when you watch, if you go back and watch that game, 
Chicago is able to do what they did defensively in terms of doubling Terry and in terms of locking down the paint. They're able to do that because Charlotte, A, doesn't have enough weapons, but but B, and this sort of plays off of A, their offense is not creative at all without LaMelo Ball and to a smaller extent without Terry Rozier allowed to do all the things that Terry Rozier does. And so getting LaMelo back is so significant because it allows this team to be creative. Because otherwise, you're getting a lot of Miles Bridges isos. You're getting a lot of Bryce McGowan's trying to make his own shot. And these guys just aren't capable of doing that on like an elite NBA level. And so I think the Chicago game and, and tonight's game, I think, will, will continue to illustrate that idea of like, you're getting a lot of one-pass possessions out of this team that you're not going to get when the mellow ball gets back. Well, yeah, and I mean, when you go Brandon Miller, Terry Rozier, those guys are 2 of 14 from deep, and they're also only 8 of 30 from the field overall. It's going to be really tough to win those games when two of your better offensive players, Miles Bridges included, when two of those three, they're not hitting, then that's going to hurt you. And when LaMelo can't get everybody else involved, like no, nobody else can do it at the LaMelo level. Now, mm-hmm. Terry Rozier has been one of the more efficient pick and roll ball handlers in the entire mm-hmm. NBA this season. Saw that from NBA University. They tweeted that out. Terry Rozier ranks eighth in that category, which is fantastic. That's not a, a Terry stat. That's a, what you would hope to see LaMelo in there, but he's been hurt. Mm-hmm. So now Terry's been taken over. And he's been in that category, which only goes to show that Terry's been improving so much. Um, did you and, have something and it's else? Not, well, it's not just about shot making. It's not about creating your own shot and, and, and being creative in that way. It's about creating for others. If you go and, and look at that box score of the Chicago game, you'll notice a couple of things. One, uh, that Terry had seven assists, and there really wasn't anyone else with five-plus assists, and I think only one other player with four assists. And then you go and look at yes, Chicago, yeah. and they're getting four plus from they're well, they got six from uh, from DeRozan, and they got four plus from multiple players, including Zach Levine off the bench. So you've just got guys that pull attention away, but can also make plays for others. And really, on Charlotte's side, you've got Terry making plays for others, and then everybody else just has to go out and find and hunt their own shot, <laughs> and they're not they're not good enough to do that. So. Yeah, I mean, it's all about getting LaMelo back. One quick good news, and then I've got some some pretty bad news, I guess. Frank Nikita, Frank Nilakina, here's the good news. He could be the first guy we see back from this long list of injured players, especially if that P.J. Washington foot sprain is a little bit more severe. Frank Nilakina has recovered from the non-displaced fracture in his tibia, according to this Rod Boone uh, article, progressing to the point where he's also practicing with the team and involved in live scrimmages. Here's the bad news, though. Mark Williams, this is what Rod Boone writes about Mark Williams. There's no clarity about the long-term status of the Hornets' second-year big man. Uh, And uh, Rod goes on to say, Mark Williams said his frustrating injury is improving, but the seven-footer is experiencing something he's never dealt with previously and couldn't offer any insight on when he'd feel good enough to give it a go once more. I've said on this show, you don't mess around with lower back injuries and guys that are seven foot or taller. You just don't mess around with that and they because they could be career enders. And so it's obvious they're not messing around with it, even though he did try to play one game after and couldn't. They did. They started to mess around with it, and they said, "Okay, we can't mess around with this anymore." <laughs> this is not great news that there's no, no clarity no, no, on the long term status of Mark Williams. 
no, it's not. Hopefully he can come back, but who knows? Uh, we, we haven't been given clarity on that situation the entire time, right from the get-go. It's been doubtful, not playing, lower back contusion, plays a game, sits out again, hasn't played since. Um, it, you, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Well, here's why it's like super bad news. Because look, even if they get all of these players back, right? If they get LaMelo and PJ and Gordon, if all of these players come back and you go, hey, look at the standings. They're, they're only five losses outside of the last play in spot ton of games left to play almost half the season left to play it's plenty of time for the hornets they've got to make an incredible run but there is time to make an incredible run if they get everyone back but if they got to get everyone back because if they don't get mark williams back i get you're still depending on uh nick richards to start and then pj washington pj washington to play small ball five minutes and then Nathan Mensah, they did not go and get, at this time, they do not have a third string center that is like NBA level third string center. And so they just have no chance unless they get Mark Williams back fully healthy. Um, last thing for me, PJ Washington out right from the rip. Hopefully it's not too severe, but remember PJ Washington does have the incentive laden contract that he signed this off season. They used unlikely incentives in order to dodge some caps and gain some cap space. And so his structure is that he gets 500,000 per season. If he appears in 74 or more games and plays at least 2,400 minutes, just for reference, they're considered unlikely because PJ played 73 one less than the incentive and 2380 last year 2400 is what he needs this year he played 2380 last year so you're missing one game against chicago you you missed a lot of minutes at least you i I think i think in order if you go by the award stipulation right when you have to play a certain amount of games in order to get into the awards category i think you have to play 20 minutes in each of those games so i don't know if PJ's already considered to have missed two for only playing six in this Chicago one or having missed only one, but I would imagine it's the same. It would make sense. So yeah, hopefully PJ can come back sooner as well because there's literal money on the line. There, there's money on the line for everybody, but there's literal $500,000 on the line for PJ. I've got some advice for any player that is thinking about re-signing with the Charlotte Hornets or signing with the Charlotte Hornets in the future, if anyone involved with this organization offers any kind of incentives in terms of games played, go, nah, not doing it. Find some other incentive. I'll do jumping jacks. I'll do whatever you want incentive-wise, but not games played because this house is haunted. In fact, it's exactly like those haunted house movies where someone has to stay in a haunted house for a certain period of time and they get like a million dollars or whatever. Those people always end up dead, okay? So don't do it. Do not ins- Look, do not sign any kind of incentive tied to games played and join the Charlotte Hornets. It will not end well for you. That's Even advice. if you come out with a million dollars, you come out a changed man. And I don't. <laughs> you're traumatized. Whew, you're traumatized by it. One more segment to go. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets don't podcast. Don't sleep on the Hornets just yet. This is what Doug tries to do. He's a producer at heart. He used to work in the Charlotte area. This is what he was tasked with. So he's doing it once more on Lockdown Hornets. He finds the local angle. Um, and we'll even tell you what subject. It's a random subject. He's going to have me guess on how I'm going to try to find the local angle, but we try to do that in the last segment of Lockdown Hornets. 
This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the NFL regular season. It's wrapped up. It's done. We're moving on to the postseason. But there's still time to get in on the action in the postseason with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use. There are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. We just explored that, I think, when we did Bet the Buzz. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and even more than that. Doug, what can you tell us about the Bet the Buzz recap? What I think I was able to – I got a dollar, didn't I? You did well. You got a dollar and I believe fifty cents because you bet Ooh, the Chicago rich. Bulls. Well, the the you know the ping pong balls told you to bet the Chicago Bulls. The ping pong balls were right. Unfortunately, I lost my big bet on the Charlotte Hornets winning by eleven yeah. plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah, I should if I'd have gone the blowout the other way, I think I would have won. Yeah, ninety one to one hundred four. Yeah, I would have won. So, All right, oh, well, so what that- are you gonna do? Uh, it's it's back though at least it's back and uh, we have a winner this time at least one of us is victorious visit fanduel.com slash locked on make your first bet a layup fanduel the official partner of the nfl more locked on hornets coming up doug we gave you the injury updates i know you have some contract updates for the people too why don't you inform the listeners of what's going on yeah, the Hornets were up against a deadline late last week uh, to guarantee the contracts of three players they have on the roster. One of those being a guy we talked about last segment, Frank Nielakina, and the other two being Ish Smith and JT Thor. And that deadline passed without any news. So I'm going to assume that they have guaranteed the contracts of all three of those players, which also guarantees uh, those roster spots being held. So they're obviously... You know they want they want to see what they can get with Frank Nilakina. He was injured, by the way, in a preseason game, so they have not seen him all season long. Uh, but they stick with him, so I, I think that means he's going to be back sooner rather than later. Are you surprised by the other two names, Ish Smith, J.T. Thor, that they guaranteed those contracts? Um, no, I don't think so. I think having Ish Smith, who's played. Better than expected? He certainly played more than expected because of all the injuries. But I think better than expected is fine to say about Ish Smith, too. And so that's a nice chunk of change going his way. I think it's well-deserved. With JT Thor, this is purely from a we-don't-have-many-body standpoint. And he's been in he's, the he's, he's part of the center mash unit. Like yeah. when, when a couple of guys go down, he's playing center. So, yeah, you can't get rid of him. No, so He's it, not I'm playing not- well, but you can't get rid of him. Correct. That is correct. That should be your new T-shirt. Not playing well, but still. That's that's the new T-shirt. All right. Let's find the local angle here, Doug. So let's go to the NFL. And actually, David Tepper did this a little bit. David Tepper, the man who does not want to relinquish one ounce of control, actually did so when he hired an agency to help him on his next coaching search. Mm -hmm. So that will be very interesting to see. He's also going to look for a new GM. Scott Fitterer got canned this morning. So, oh, wow. yeah, some Panthers updates. It's okay. Uh, I forgive you. We'll find the local angle on Washington, too. The commanders, Josh Harris, the commander's owner, actually hires Bob Myers. Yes, the mm. same Bob Myers that used to run the Golden State Warriors for so many years before turning ESPN NBA analyst. Josh Harris hires Bob Myers to run the commander's head coaching search. Find the local angle, Doug. What's going on? 
Well, I, w- I would like you to guess, I think, would be a fun game. Can you guess? where? Because this is this is a little odd. Sometimes I went with a yeah. Cam Newton thing, and that was a little bit, I think, obvious where I where I took that with the Hornets angle. But here you have Josh Harris, who does own – there is there are some NBA ties back to this NFL story, right? You've got Josh Harris, who also owns uh, a piece of, if, if not the majority, of the Philadelphia 76ers. You've got Bob Myers, who was the uh, GM of the Golden State Warriors – and also an NBA commentator in this story. But how am I going to pull this back to a Charlotte Hornets story? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. So if we, if it may be, maybe Mitch Kupchak, I, but I, I don't know why you would ask Mitch Kupchak. I know you are not the biggest fan. And the coaching search, you're just going back to a retread with Steve Clifford. I, is, is it consulting Mitch Kupchak on who he wants to hire and then not hiring that person? Is that the local angle? I don't know. Well, I think there are two things, and Mitch Kupchak is involved in one that I'll get to in just a moment. But I think this story illustrates something that will be interesting to watch for the Charlotte Hornets moving forward. You have Josh Harris here, who owns a couple of teams, deep pockets, and decides, I'm going to go out and hire a truly innovative executive in Bob Myers to not run my team, not run my NFL team, that would be ridiculous, but to run a head coaching search for my team, the Commanders. But he's only able to do this because, I think, because of those deep pockets. You can go and hi- hire a guy not to do a job, but you can hire a guy to consult on the guy, on a guy that you want to do the job. What's interesting on the Hornets' angle of this is you have now two primary people in the owner's suite. But we have yet any indication as to how deep they are willing to go into their own pockets to make a decision on any kind, not forget players, because there's a there's a salary cap that they have to deal with there. But when you're talking about personnel in terms of front office, in terms of your head coach, there is no salary cap. That is something that the owner they can get the checkbook out and they can make a huge impact based on how much they are willing to spend. And that is the question that we have yet to get any kind of indication of that will be interesting as we head into this front office. Are we getting into you know, a situation where they're going to do whatever it takes to bring in the best talent to run this team, or are we once again going to be faced with an ownership that is more focused on, you know, the the books looking good, the bottom line, than they are about putting a winning product on the floor? Well, yeah, and, and so how much needs to be corrected? Because when we had the whole Kenny Atkinson debacle, some of that was on Kenny, accepting the job, deciding, you know what, Despite knowing about all these circumstances, I'm just going to hang out in Golden State. But some of it was the Hornets' fault, too, because there were rumors, there were reports that the Hornets wanted to hold on to some of the assistant coaches. And so when you want to hold on to the assistant coaches and strip the head coach of that power, that's one thing. But then it comes across cheap when then there are reports about you paying your assistant coaches as least as any other NBA franchise, less as any other NBA franchise out there. So now you don't even look like you want to do that because you really like these assistant coaches. It looks like you want to do it because you want to continue to pay them as little as possible. And so that's a part of the Hornets. Now, new ownership is here, holding majority stake. Gay Plotkin, Rich Schnob, now those guys are at the helm. (laughs) So with Rich Schnob at the helm running the first five years, maybe that changes. Yeah, and on the Kenny Atkinson thing, if the team was saying, hey, we'd like to keep these assistant coaches so that we don't have to pay them and your assistant coaches, I think it's a pretty good bet 
that that MJ and company weren't br- backing up a Brinks truck to Kenny Atkinson's driveway and offering him, you know, some enormous sum. You know, that's the thing. Like, if you wanted Kenny Atkinson to for sure be your coach and you wanted there to be no problems getting him in, there was an amount of money. There was an offer that he couldn't refuse, and he did not get that offer. So that's all I'm saying here. And also the Bob Myers name uh, was is a name that has been floated by a lot of uh, uh, commenters in our YouTube and people like, hey, why don't they go after Bob Myers? Well, you know, right. that's it's easy to say. It's a lot harder when you got to open up the checkbook and figure out how to make that happen. The other Mitch Kupchak piece of this is it just makes me understand or have some clarity on the the level of executive sort of brain power and like creativity and respect that that some organizations have with their front office with Bob Myers and Golden State when when an NFL team can say hey this guy that's been doing the NBA thing but he understands what winning means and he understands how to build teams let's bring him to the NFL even though he's been in the NBA for a long time that that there's that level because can you imagine anyone doing that if Mitch Kupchak is let go can you imagine any NFL team or any other sport team going to Mitch Kupchak and saying, hey, can you come help us out, figure out what we're going to do with this coaching situation or what we're going to, going to do with this front office situation? No, you can't imagine that because that's the level that we're dealing with and, the, and that's the task that this new ownership group has is how do you get a respected front office um, in, installed that can actually turn this thing around and, and, and bring some respect back to Charlotte? Because I don't think Charlotte, from an organizational level, has any respect no, they, around they the NBA. Any. No, no, that that could actually be a, a different segment as well, but they don't have any. I, it's it's amazing listening to these national podcasts, listening to whether it be Zach Lowe, Bill Simmons, picking some of the more popular NBA podcasts. When they go to a bad example, they do exactly what Jason Tatum did. They always go to the same two or three teams, and every time Charlotte is included, it's I mean, it's hilarious I, in, in a painful, I hurt kind of way. Like when you go to, oh, you know, it's not like they're playing some, you know, bad basketball team. Like they're not playing Charlotte or they're not playing Detroit or anything like that. I Charlotte's mentioned every single time. You're right. Even in the subconscious, even at the back of everyone's mind who has to speak about this league on a national scale or even local scale to somewhere else, they bring up the Hornets for that example. You're, yeah, no respect. Don't get no and- respect. And look, you can wheel out J. Cole and you can wheel out Eric Church and all these celebrity owners that own some, you know, some portion of the team. None of that matters. None of that matters to fans. Yeah. All they yeah. care about is how willing are you to go into your own pockets, you know, get, get the coins out from the couch and find a talented front office and a talented coach to come and run this team. That's all they care. And listen, deep pocket, deep pockets, not a guarantee because didn't Tepper, Tepper basically told Frank Reich, like go get an all-star like offensive, you know, team. And and there's no, no limit to what you can spend. And we all saw how that turned out in Pantherway. So it's not a guarantee, but if you try to go cheap, that is a guarantee that it ain't well, going to work. Yeah. Out. Well, I mean, and, and that's what Bobby Marks talked about when we had him on, right? We played that soundbite here. It When you're a new owner, what do you want in a new owner outside of deep pockets? It's like, well, and he said, hey, it actually, money isn't everything. It means a lot. And Bobby put an emphasis on it. Yes, you have to have it. It's important not to have a cheap owner because that's where you see a lot of these guys. David Tepper, 
awful owner in the NFL, awful, awful owner in all of North American sports. But it's not because he's cheap. I, we, that, that's the local angle is when we talk about David Tepper, he is somebody that did take advantage of no cap on coaching salaries. That's how you're able to get Avero as the defensive coordinator. That's how you're able to get a bunch of head coaches. And so, you know, they're, they're not going to do that. They don't have the David Tepper money there with the Hornets organization, but maybe spend some. Oh, yeah. And also just undergo a good decision making process, because that matters, too, especially when you don't have a 20 billion dollar net worth like David Tepper does. You don't, don't have that. Don't, and don't yeah. throw drinks on anyone. And, you know, there, there are a couple of things that, yeah, this new ownership group could learn from the Tepper experience. But first impressions matter. First moves matter. We have yet to see this new ownership group make a move, whether it be to move someone out of the organization, but I think more importantly, you know, hire someone in. And what, what does that first move indicate about how willing they are to spend to, to turn this thing around? That will be, well, it'll be yeah. very interesting to watch. Yeah, new, new owner syndrome, a little scary. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it will at least be something that they do. New owner syndrome, at least it will be something of the do something thing that we've wanted them to do for quite some time. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks for making us your first listen, first listen of the week. Make sure you check us out anywhere you get your podcast, including YouTube. Go read everyhornetsboxscore.com. Doug Branson, the curator of such Substack. You can also listen to me on WFNZ, Sports Radio 92.7 FM, every weekday from 12 to 3 on Wes and Walker. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow to recap the second Bulls game in a row. 